Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm here to share an incredible work with you. Just a quick reminder before we get started. All sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find the link in the episode description as well as on our Instagram at accessible.art.history. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. In this week's episode, and the last episode of Season 5, I'm continuing our journey through the Dutch Golden Age with Johannes Vermeer's work, The Astronomer. It was painted around 1668 and features an astronomer hard at work in his study. Not only is it a beautiful piece, but it highlights the scientific revolution of the 17th century and the techniques of a mysterious artist. To learn more, then keep on listening. This work shows a richly decorated room. Bright light streams in through a window, illuminating a variety of astronomers' tools, furniture, artwork, and a beautifully patterned rug. The main character, the astronomer himself, starts to stand up from his chair, as if he just made a discovery. Vermeer created a single moment from a larger narrative. The viewer is dying to know what connection the astronomer has made, bringing them into the work. It takes a truly skilled artist to create this. Here's one interesting fact. The astronomer seems to take place in a similar or even the same room as some of Vermeer's other works. I'll be discussing it later in this episode. It is clear that Vermeer did his research when it came to astronomical equipment. There are multiple tools featured in this piece. The first one is the celestial globe. Instead of continents, it shows the stars and the signs of the zodiac. The globe is directly illuminated by the light coming in from the window, literally highlighting its importance. Fascinatingly, Vermeer painted this globe so accurately that an exact model could be determined by historians. Jocondus Hadais produced this model during a time period in Delft, Vermeer's hometown. They were made in pairs, and the other one can be seen in his work, The Geographer. More on this later. On the desk, Vermeer painted an astronomical reference book. Once again, he added such a high level of detail that the book itself can even be identified. It's a book by Andrian Matthias, which is quite popular in the mid-17th century. This particular page discusses taking inspiration from God for the study of astronomy. Finally, there are two important astronomical instruments added by Vermeer. The first is an astrolabe, which is used to calculate the altitude of other celestial bodies in relation to the horizon. It's also used by sailors. Vermeer also added a star chart affixed to the cabinet next to the desk. It could be shifted to show the position of stars at different times throughout the year. These details show that Vermeer was familiar with science and astronomy and was confident enough to include them with precise details in his works. Astronomy wasn't the only science that Vermeer was comfortable with. Many art historians believe that his work, The Geographer, shows the same man. Firstly, they were painted around the same time period. We know this because the two works are few that Vermeer signed and dated. In fact, there's only one other work that he signed. In addition, a 2017 study showed that the canvas used in both the astronomer and the geographer was cut from the same bolt. How cool is that? Secondly, the rooms look the same. They have the same furniture and decorations. The space was also used in other Vermeer works, so art historians believe that this was likely his personal studio space. Finally, we have the main figures themselves. They look quite similar, almost identical in some senses. Both men have long curly hair styled in a half updo, the same large nose, and even similar outfits. Many historians have even put forth an identity, Anton von Leeuwenhoek. Von Leeuwenhoek was a prominent scientist in the 17th century. Although he is best known for his groundbreaking work in microbiology, he was also known for his studies in astronomy and geography. Von Leeuwenhoek was also from Delft. It isn't a leap to assume that he and Vermeer knew each other quite well, as it was a relatively small town, and the fact that we know that von Leeuwenhoek was the executor of Vermeer's will. 
Finally, if we look at other portraits of Van Leeuwenhoek, we can see the similarities between them and the other Vermeer works. But without definitive records, it is doubtful that we'll ever be able to confirm it for sure. Antony van Leeuwenhoek is one of only numerous scientists from the 17th century. Historians often refer to this era as the golden age of science or the scientific revolution. Many of the great thinkers we've associated with the beginning of scientific thought lived during this period. Nicholas Copernicus, Isaac Newton, Galileo Galilei, etc. Their experiments and observations helped to shape modern thought. This era was also important because it shifted the way people thought about the world around them. Previously, the church was in charge of telling people how things worked and what to think. But these scientists worked to change that. They wanted to understand how things truly were. The astronomer painting represents this. Vermeer is trying to show how humans sought to understand the heavens from a scientific, not a religious standpoint. Next, I'm going to discuss Vermeer himself and his techniques. But first, let's take a quick break. This time around, I have a special message from my friends over at the Beyond Reproach podcast. This is Stephanie. And Tux. <laughs> from the podcast Beyond Reproach, a show about political scandals from American history. But it's fun, we swear. The idea behind our show is that politicians and government officials are meant to be public servants. And their behavior should be beyond reproach. But if history has taught us anything, it's that a lot of politicians are total scumbags. So we decided to do a show where we drink period-appropriate historic cocktails while exploring some of the government scandals and shitty politicians of America's past. We are not historians. We're just a couple of drunks who never shut up and love history. We hope you'll join us on Beyond Reproach for some big facts, good laughs, a little bit of swearing, a lot of drinking, and a real good time. America's history is juicy. We just add gin. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alright, now that we're back, let's dive into the artist himself. Johannes Vermeer is one of the more mysterious figures in art history. He produced around 50 paintings, but only 34 survive today. We don't know much about his life, because he honestly wasn't that famous during his own time. In fact, it wasn't until the 19th century that his work truly became appreciated, and he was named as one of the great artists of the Dutch Golden Age. What we do know about his life is slim. Vermeer was born in 1632 in Delft, located in southern Holland. This is the town where he would spend his entire life. His father was a fairly successful silk merchant, and Vermeer's family was comfortably in the middle class. He was born Protestant, but converted to Catholicism on the occasion of his marriage to a wealthy Catholic woman, Catharina Bolenes. Together, they had 11 children. In 1653, Vermeer was accepted into the Painter's Guild of St. Luke. This gained him respect in his own city, but his fame didn't really spread to other areas. The 1660s and 70s were not kind to Vermeer or his career. Constant war between the Netherlands and France made it difficult to sell art because of a tanking economy. He died in massive debt in 1675 after a short illness. Vermeer's style, which I'm going to discuss further in a minute, is known for two main things. The use of rich pigment and photorealism. His works were almost all genre scenes, but there are a few allegorical paintings and landscapes attributed to him. 
Today, they are considered some of the most beautiful works of the 17th century. Works from this period were typically fairly neutral in tone. Artists preferred to use shades of brown and gray and black with only small pops of color. But Vermeer didn't abide by this style. Instead, his works are filled with combinations of rich jewel tones that mimic real life. One of his favorite colors was ultramarine blue. This was a bold choice, not only because of its color, because it was expensive. This pigment was made from crushed up lapis lazuli, a semi-precious stone found most commonly in the Middle East. It would have been incredibly expensive, but likely worth it in Vermeer's eyes due to the depth it gave his works. One of the most fascinating parts of Vermeer's works is the sense of their photorealism. This has led to some art historians to theorize that he used a camera obscura to assist in his art. This device, which first appeared in the written records around 500 BCE, is fairly simple. Essentially, it uses the natural phenomenon to a great advantage. Light passes through a small hole and projects an image on one side of a screen onto the other, but in reverse. We often use this technique to view eclipses safely. Because many of Vermeer's works seem to take place in the same room, it's possible that he had a camera obscura set up for use all the time. It allowed him to capture the smallest details, creating a sense of realism in his paintings. This is one of the main reasons that Vermeer is considered to be one of the greatest artists of the Dutch Golden Age. The astronomer by Johannes Vermeer bridges the gap between science and art. It's a celebration of new technology and old techniques coming together to show the changes of the 17th century. And with the end of the episode comes the end of season 5. I can't believe that we're halfway through the 50 objects that shaped Western art history. Thank you all so much for supporting this project and engaging with the podcast and my other art history content. I've decided to take a short break for the holidays, but don't worry. New episodes will resume on Monday, January 4th, 2021 with season six. This season will kick off with the Rococo period, so make sure you're subscribed because you don't want to miss out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history for updates and keep an eye out for our next episode. They drop every Monday on your favorite podcast platform.